Uh, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this broadcast. If you're joining me live, um, thank you. If you're watching this on playback, I will give you the good stuff up front. Let's get straight into it. Um, following a poll recently where people said to me that one of the things that they wanted more of, more help with, um, being CPTSD, uh, that was the thing that people most wanted more help with. There were five things I'd like to suggest uh, for people to start working on their CPTSD. CPTSD uh, stands for Complex Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder. This is a situation where, in the most simple terms, instead of somebody experiencing one singular event or series of singular events that can be recalled in the conscious mind with visual, auditory, and kinesthetic recollection, i.e. you can remember what you saw, what you heard, and what you felt at the time of the event, there is little to no recollection here. And when you experience the memory of the event or events, it only shows up non-consciously as emotions. So where somebody with straightforward PTSD would have a flashback that would be visual, auditory, and kinesthetic, they would remember what they saw, what they heard, and what they felt at the time, somebody with complex post-traumatic stress disorder really only recalls the feelings, but without the visual, auditory, and kinesthetic um, memories there. That means that the person thinks that they're just experiencing these feelings from out of the blue. Um, so they experience intense emotional dysregulation, which often comes with intense feelings of shame and a sense that there must be something wrong with me, or perhaps I'm completely mad, I don't know why I'm feeling this way, and so on and so forth. So dealing with that complex post-traumatic stress disorder, it's necessary to understand that complex post-traumatic stress comes from a series of hard to identify and recall micro traumas, multiple micro traumas delivered over time, usually when the person who's experiencing these micro traumas cannot escape. They cannot avoid the uh, micro traumas and they cannot say that they are being traumatized. They're effectively put inside of what Gregory Bateson would call a double bind. This in and of itself generates another layer of complexity to the post-traumatic stress because learned helplessness becomes an intrinsic part of the cluster of symptoms that would usually be associated with complex post-traumatic stress. In my humble opinion, there is never PTSD, singular classical PTSD without complex PTSD. And there is never complex PTSD without singular classical PTSD. That means if you identify as somebody who has issues related to CPTSD, you will also be traumatized. You will have PTSD and you'll need treatment for that. And if you have PTSD, you will have elements of CPTSD because if you can't escape the PTSD over time, you will go into a state of learned helplessness and the PTSD itself will bring with it its own micro traumas that generate CPTSD in you. So there you go, CPTSD, PTSD sufferers, uh, brothers and sisters, cousins, um, you can sit together quite comfortably and talk about your symptoms and how difficult it is to just go to the shops and buy a carton of milk 
without overwhelming anxiety, overwhelming feelings of despair and depression, overwhelming feelings of rage, um, because you're all experiencing, we are all experiencing the same effects, the same emotional dysregulation, which warps our perception. So what to do about it? I think the first and most important step is to start trying to uh, reclaim sovereignty over your state, over who you are, and realizing that that is an option for you to reclaim sovereignty over your personal state, over who you are and how you feel. It's an interesting reframe. It's not commonly found in the treatment modalities classically prescribed for CPTSD or PTSD. It's not the typical stance that a counselor, a psychotherapist, or a psychiatrist would use. The stance that's more classically used, not always, but most frequently is, you are suffering with um, this thing that's called PTSD or CPTSD, and it's treated like a virus that's just hit you because psychiatry suffers from medical envy. It suffers from the desire, physics envy. It wants to be a science, but isn't, isn't quite. So they compensate for that by sort of a role play where we go, oh, you, sir, you, madam, have developed CPTSD. Um, it puts the client, you, me, in a passive state. This is something that's happening to you and there's nothing you can do about it. Effectively re-traumatizing you or at least um, giving you data, giving you information, giving you a belief system says there's nothing I can do about this, which furthers the learned helplessness, which furthers the toxic shame, which actually induces more emotional flashbacks, makes your superego injunctions even more poisonous, even more hyper-judgmental of who you are, and uh, worsens the situation. So first piece of advice, state management. Learn to think of yourself as a sovereign state, that you can have control over how you feel over what you think about, over your emotions, your physical state, and your mental state and your mental focus. That is your responsibility. That is your power. That is your strength. It's not easy. It is a skill. It is a strength. And skills and strengths can only be cultivated over time. And it takes time. And it takes bravery. Because at first, it will be very difficult. Every new skill and every new strength is difficult in the beginning. That's just the way the world works. So state management. If I'm going to give you some advice around state management, I think the best thing I could say is the first thing that you should do when we're looking at state management, particularly for overcoming CPTSD, is make a list. Number one, make a list of things that you already do to manage your state. And you'd be thinking, I don't do anything to manage my state. Well, the food you choose to eat, how much coffee you choose to drink, when you take out a cigarette and light it, when you use recreational drugs, when you drink a glass of wine, glass of whiskey, when you put on your favorite music, if you choose to go and exercise at the gym, if you choose to go for a walk, if you put on your favorite TV show, everything that we do is an effort to alter our state. And human beings are highly driven towards trying to feel good, to trying to move towards feelings of calm, feelings of connection, feelings of contribution, and feelings of uh, some degree of status as well, I would say we would go for. We want to be recognized, we want to be seen, and we want to feel like we're a contributing and valued member of the tribe. 
So number one, write down a list of things you already do to try and control your state. The second thing I recommend you doing is you write down what states you would like to feel. You're one entity. You're not a physical, a mental, and an emotional being. This is the modern Western way of deconstructing everything and pulling it apart, which works, and it's great, and thank you, and that's why we have airplanes and ACL surgery and smartphones. But sometimes it's good to put things back together again. And on this one, we need to put it all back together. You're one being. So if your emotions are out of whack, your physical state will be out of whack. If you're very angry, if you're very sad, if you're very anxious a lot of the time, you will get sicker. You will get sicker because, and this is this is published research, of course, it stands to reason. Stress, the way we think about stress, stress isn't just like you imagine somebody who's stressed out, they have too much to do and they get cranky. Stress is more like when we talk about, say on an airplane, and there are forces when the airplane is at cruising altitude that hit the plane, that the plane is designed to deal with. But it's stress on those rivets, on those bolts, on the wings, on the engines, on the even the cabin itself. There's, there's stress from altering air pressure, from winds, from turbulence, all these different things. And it's pressure on the system. People with CPTSD, their ability to withstand pressure on the system before they go into a primal defensive response, which we call an emotional flashback, is diminished. So actually, they can handle quite high degrees of stress. People with CPTSD and PTSD can handle high degrees of stress, but they can't do it without flashbacking. And the um, level at which they begin to flashback, the level of resilience they have against flashbacking is lower. So what I recommend is that step number one, you write down what you're already doing to alter your state. And then step number two, start thinking about what state you want to be in. What's the physical, emotional, and mental state that you wanna be in? So if you're anxious all the time, my apothecary brain says, well, maybe it would be nice to choose what you think is the opposite of that. Is it feeling confident? Is it feeling calm? If you're depressed all the time, is the opposite of depression, it's different for different people. Maybe it's to be high energy. Maybe it's to be optimistic. Maybe it's to be cheerful. Maybe it's to be joyous and feeling good. These are just my examples. Choose the state that you want to go into and have intentionality over that. Step number three that I would recommend, eh, number three would be start listing behaviors that would be likely to lead you into that state. So number one, you've written a list of things you already do. Some are good, some are bad, some have long-term health consequences, some are long-term health beneficial. You know, if you're addicted to taking walks outside, that's great. If you're addicted to going to the gym, depending on how hard you train and how frequently you do it, it could be wonderful. Um, if you really need whiskey and cocaine to get through the day, well, you know, every little once in a while, it's not gonna hurt, but you know, you start doing that for months on end and there's gonna be physical consequence to it, right? So start looking at, Step number two, the state you want to go into. It is my intention that I'm in a calm, confident, sane state where I'm perceiving reality as it is, not in accordance with my demonic projections and my, uh, my paranoid delusions of what's going on because these emotional flashbacks and the emotional dysregulation that we experience, it warps our perceptions. 
So do I want to be calm? Do I want to be confident? Do I want to be switched on? Do I want to be cheerful? Do I want to be energized? Do I want to be optimistic? And then step number three would be start listing the things that you could be doing more of that make it more likely that you're going to go into those states more often. And this is you beginning to flex your muscles and to start to do the push-ups, the squats of state management. It's going to let you go in that direction. My fourth piece of advice, ladies and gentlemen, would be to do something about these emotional flashbacks, to do something about the fact that your emotions are cycling and they're cycling in a way that you're not in control of. They're cycling in a way that has nothing to do with your current reality and is all about unresolved issues from the past. I have a course. It's called the Stop Emotional Flashback Course. It is a skill. It is a strength. It takes time to develop the skill and the strength of doing it. And then it takes time having developed the skill and the strength of doing the exercise for the exercise to work its way into your system, for you to lay down new neural pathways, for you to add extra layers of consciousness to something that previously was fully unconscious. In the Jungian sense, this could be said to be an exercise in individuation. In the Jungian sense, this could be said to be um, a way of uh, transmuting that which is unconscious dark matter, maybe even shadow work into conscious matter stuff that you can see and identify and talk to and negotiate with and talk about and go, there it is. It's no longer in a blind spot for me. So you want to be working on reducing and ultimately stopping the emotional cycling of emotional flashbacks and reducing the, the warped perceptions that go with that. I have a course called to uh, stop emotional flashbacks. It takes two hours to consume. It is free. You can go to spartanlifecoach.com join the mailing list there and you'll be sent a copy of that course it has a pdf element you must read the pdf it has an audio and a video element two hours to consume it will teach you how to do an exercise that takes 45 to 60 seconds to complete you will then be told to do that exercise five times a day for 30 days so you will be doing the stop emotional flashback mnemonic it's actually a mnemonic it's a pattern interrupter and a reminder of what you can and should be focused on in terms of dealing with your superego injunctions dealing with your state learning to say no learning to remember to stay in a good state and to protect yourself at all times excuse me the light just went down a little bit there um, and the other thing it's going to uh, allow you to do is to become more conscious and more aware of the emotional flashbacks as they come up the um, fifth and final thing that I would like you to attempt to do is to work on your emotional literacy. Now, I have a paid for course on SpartanLifeCoach.com that takes you step by step through every element of your emotional literacy exercises. The other thing you can do is just go to my Instagram. I'm on Instagram. My name on Instagram is shockingly and mystifyingly Richard Grannon. And on that Richard Grannon account on Instagram, you don't need an Instagram account to access this. You can do it straight from a web browser. Just put in Instagram.com and search for Richard Grannon. If you scroll down that profile, you'll see a series of colored panels. And in the, in the middle of one of the colored panels, it will say start here. And you will get step-by-step -step advice on how to do the emotional literacy exercises. If you're in contact with your emotions and you're acknowledging them, 
regularly every day a few times a day that this is what you're feeling your recovery will accelerate rapidly you will recover much much faster and you'll recover in a way that is far more likely to be permanent rather than temporary i don't offer band-aids i don't pump people up and then send them back out into the world i'm interested in real foundational element change where you feel better and you don't need to keep coming back to me you've got that skill you've got that strength it's now yours and you just move forward in your own life and do your own thing those are my five tips for starting to overcome cptsd let me see what the problem is with the lighting here wow that was intense i got through it fast right i think i did a pretty good job again through it fast um the other thing folks is i'm actually going to do um a 10 step course there's going to be a 10 video course that's coming out soon there's a link in the uh, more description bar so if you sign up uh, to that uh, email list you'll get um the uh, 10 videos that go with that course and you'll get 10 pdfs this is a step-by-step -step course that tells you exactly what you need to do and I'm just gonna give you everything. It's gonna be completely free. I'm gonna give you everything I've learned about overcoming trauma, overcoming CPTSD, and overcoming um, the, mo the more common um, mental health issues. The, the two most common are anxiety and depression. Um, and then aside from that, you have issues like anger management. Um, you have issues like body dysmorphia. And there are a few things that are like the secondary um, but most the things that people most frequently go and seek mental health assistance with, it starts with anxiety and depression, and then it, it sort of goes down the pyramid from there. And this will help you to deal with all of that. It's not a total cure, can't heal you completely, but you can get dramatically strong results by following consistent daily action living within a certain discipline. If it's PTSD or CPTSD or heartache, depression, anxiety that you have, you're going to have to live inside of a certain discipline. You're going to have to show more discipline than the people around you. You're going to have to do more to feel good, to feel okay than the people around you. And it's going to take an effort of will for a period of time. But if you'll give it 30 days, if you'll give it 90 days of consistent action over time, you will feel better and it will stick. And you don't always have to make consistent action. It'll just become a part of you. It'll come into your, it'll sort of integrate into the unconscious. These will be coping skills, state management skills, ways of taking care of yourself, of asking for what you want, of overcoming these primal responses, of being more of who you truly are that will lead you to a degree of sovereignty, which I think is important. I don't think you're ever really going to overcome feelings of anxiety and depression if you don't have those elements of sovereignty there in your life. Because if you're not sovereign, you're not really being you. If you're not living as who you are supposed to be with sovereignty, free from interference, free from uh, having other people impose their injunctions on you, then you're going to feel anxious about that. And you should do because it's a bad situation that you should look to get out of. That's what anxiety is. It's a call to action from the unconscious. You feel agitated. You feel like you want to run. You feel like you want to do something. Well, that's a good thing. It's trying to protect you. Depression, that's when, you know, you're kind of checking out. You're freezing and you're giving up on things. You've gone into a state of helplessness and hopelessness. This course will help you to deal with both of those things. As I say, it's not a total cure. It's not magic. 
These are skills, not pills. You can't do it passively. You've got, you've got to be active. You've got to be brave. You've got to be disciplined. And you've got to be committed. And it's going to take time. But if you are interested in that course, it's completely free. And the first part of it is going to be coming out in the next few days. Uh, just sign up to that email list below and I'll, I'll see you inside of that course there. I have time to take a couple of questions. Please make them one sentence long. Have them end in a question mark and um, make them relevant to the subject that we're covering today, please. Thank you. Roberta says she's going to give it 30, 60 or 90 days, whatever it takes. Good for you, Roberta. Good. That's what I like to hear. Bit of commitment to it. Computer or phone. Uh, this time I'm gonna um, I'm gonna do some technical changes on the website. There'll be quite large global changes on the website to update it because the way I've been delivering courses is very, very old fashioned. It hasn't really changed since I was teaching self-defense back in 2008. So we're moving to a different system. That means it will be much more phone friendly and everything will be accessible uh, through an app um, on your phone. Okay, dokie, there was a question there. Let me see. Oh. Hi. Do I do the flashback and literacy course together? What a great question. There is a course currently on my website that's called Heal the Superego. Yes, it's a horrible name. Sorry about that. Not very enticing at all, bit academic. Um, but that teaches you over, a, I think it's a 30-day period, how to do them um, sequentially. Not together, but sequentially. I highly recommend that before you do the emotional literacy course, you get some progress on stopping the emotional flashbacks first. Because for some people, the emotional literacy, if the CPTSD and the flashbacks are strong, they can actually induce flashbacks, and that's just not helpful. So we need to bring the emotional flashbacks down to a manageable level first, and then you're free to move forward with your emotional literacy like that. That's a good question. If you want more help on that specifically, I have the Heal the Superego course is available now on SpartanLifeCoach.com and I can't remember what it is, but it's it's not expensive and it's a good course. I, I, I'm pleased with that. Okie dokie. One more question and we're going. Is it common for folks to try to take on too much change too soon when embarking on something like this? Uh, some people do, but that's, in my experience, um, it's... Uh, Oh, Conrad Jones says, emotional literacy course has been very helpful. Thank you. Thank you, Conrad. Thank you. Um, I feel like I'm brainwashed. Can I deprogram on my own? Uh, to a degree, it depends on what the brainwashing was. You might need to see a professional clinician. Oh, and that's a, another point. I am not a clinician. I'm not um, a psychotherapist. I'm not a psychiatrist. Um, I've got some background in this. I used to work for the probation service, the British probation service that worked in the British education system uh, for a number of years. I'm a life coach. It's called Spartan Life Coach. And um, if you um, are concerned about things like that, you should seek face-to-face -face work with a qualified clinician first and foremost. Typically, people come to me when they've already tried that three or four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times, got nowhere, and are looking for something else. This is just information. It's 
just information. If you feel like you would rather see uh, a qualified clinician, a psychotherapist, a psychiatrist, then that is the route that you should pursue. It's just information. It's not, it's not even coaching. Because if I do this free course, I can't then, people start emailing me, I can't give you individualized advice on what to do um, over time. They're just, uh, there's too many people asking me questions. Unfortunately, I can't do that. Um, the question was, do people usually bite off more than they can chew? Um, in my experience, uh, where I've run courses like this before, people will bite off more than they can chew when they're not aware of the of how of how bad their CPTSD is. So there is a tendency for there are tough girls and tough guys of CPTSD, and they're like, it doesn't hurt, doesn't hurt, doesn't hurt, doesn't hurt, and they say that for years, and they're totally emotionally illiterate, and they don't realise how badly they're struggling. I would say that that describes me. Um, for years, I just didn't realize how how bad it was because that to me was normal. I look back now and I'm like, God, I wish I'd gotten some help. I wish I'd reached out to somebody, but I didn't do that. Um, so if, so people will bite off more than they can chew and they don't realize the fragility of the position they're in. And sometimes it's ego as well, you know, but um, you don't want to be doing too much before you've worked on the emotional flashbacks. You've really got to bring the emotional flashbacks right the way down because I'm not going to get into it today because we don't have time, but emotional flashbacks account for most, if not all, of the issues that we see playing out between narcissist and codependent, between somebody who has depression, somebody who has anxiety. When you start resolving the emotional flashback issue and taking that piece out. It's like Jenga. It's like you're pulling out a piece and everything else collapses. So I'm not saying it's a panacea. I'm not saying it's a cure-all, but I will say that most of you would really dramatically benefit in ways that you are so profound and so good that you can't even imagine just by committing to 30 days, five times a day, of doing the emotional flashback exercise and it's free. You just sign up on my website, spartanlifecoach.com now, and it gets sent out to you. If you're with Yahoo or Gmail, you will need to whitelist my email address, which is helpdesk at spartanlifecoach.info. And you need to white whitelist coach at spartanlifecoach.com. In their job, in their effort to reduce spam, I use uh, Gmail, I don't use Yahoo. Um, they're very, very strict now. Very strict. So even if you willingly sign up to a newsletter and then it sends out, says, do you really want to opt in? And you say, yes, I do. Gmail will still block it. Not from everybody, but from, from some people. So you have to actually whitelist helpdesk at spartanlifecoach.info and coach at spartanlifecoach.com. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for your time and for your attention. I hope that that was useful. And I look forward to being to you all again very soon. Cheers.